0: Nice to see you. I hope you've had a good week. We had, a, we had an amazing week. One of our very dear friends died uh, from cancer, Sheena McDonald. We went down to her funeral. Uh, Clint and I and, and the eldership team, we went down there and, and said goodbye to an incredible woman who was a hippie and a hedonist. And she lived a very wild life at university. You name it sex, drugs, rock and roll. She did the whole lots, And um, her whole crowd did the whole lots. And she was a twin sister who looks absolutely identical to her. They are identical sisters. So you imagine they live in a suburb called Glenwood and she's died and now her twin sister who lives out of town goes for a walk in the suburb and all the neighbors are thinking and so what's happened here? You know what I'm saying? So there's great fear in Glenwood at the moment as Sheena McDonald has come to life in the form of her sister. So we're suggesting to Doug, uh, Sheena's husband, just to take his sister-in-law out for lunch once or twice and to (laughs) preach the gospel in Durban. But her son got up and he made an amazing, the the children were, were absolutely unbelievable. But the son got up and he said, before I was born, my mother traded sorrow because she had a sorrowful life. My mother traded sorrow for joy. So I grew up with joy. Before I was born, my mother traded fear for courage, so I grew up with courage. And and it was just just something in the funeral that gripped me, and every time we come to church, we're making a decision based on our children's future of how we're going to serve God and what they're going to live in. And so as we go through this series called Anything Can Happen, not only are we fighting against sin, but we're actually fighting against the system. The church system that very easily congregates, this can become a system very quickly. Coming to the front to get prayer from a pastor is a system that we are fighting against strongly. Because when we look at the book of Acts, there are actually no buildings in the book of Acts. They didn't own property. They never had money. They had never had a power base on which to generate influence like we do from the internet and we can put our number uh, uh, of stickers on the back of our cars and we can say we 3CR. They, they had none of that. They had no hierarchy. Everybody was empowered by God to do the work of God by the Spirit of God. And it's very easy, friend, not just to find the deliverance and freedom from our sin, but also to then get caught up in a system which you've been caught up with in any way. We deliver you from one system that's got rules and regulations and put you into another system with rules and regulations, and we're trying to break that. So, so everything that says, come to the front because Rory's got special, I've got no power. I'm a useless vessel, as impoverished as any person here, but by the Spirit of God, we start to function. Tap the person on the shoulder they and say, are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Jesus? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. Could you please pray because my business is about to go bankrupt? And the person who prays for you has got exactly the same access to God as anybody who stands in the frontier. Friends, we have to keep preaching that. We have to keep preaching that because what happens in the book of Acts is that the Christians start to become popular and people start to join and the people that react against them are the religious people. It's the Sanhedrin and it's the Sadducees. It's the guys who are going to have their incomes affected. And the beauty about this place is it's paid for. So we don't really, we don't need income. And all the income we get, we use to bless people and to build the church and to send people out and to go to Portugal and to pay for the help, pay the church in Stellenbosch. And I just don't want us to get trapped by anything. We want to be free. Jesus Christ came to set us free completely and utterly free so let me ask you this question who's your hero close your eyes I'm going to ask my daughter in a moment if she says her husband I'm going to my heart's going to sink (laughs) but all I can tell you as they walked into church 15 minutes late with three people in front of them I pointed at my watch like it and all three people in front of them said sorry pastor I said I'm not talking to you I'm talking to my daughter behind you (laughs) you never came late to church before you got married my sweetie You never, you never ever came late to church before. But anyway, these things happen. These things happen, and people lead you astray. And I just want to. Who's your hero? Who's your hero, David? Jesus, cool. Who's your hero, Christian? Your father. Mr. Malol Nawesh, government official in the Congo. I had an incredible moment this week. I have a friend who's got a son here at St. Albans. His name is Rory. His son's name is Rory. I gotta believe he named him after me. <laughs> well, he didn't name him after you. <laughs> 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 Grant Askham used to lead the church, came up here the other day, Rory was standing here with Cameron and his father, Kevin. And I said, hey, Grant, this is um, Kevin's youngest son, Grant. And he said, that's a really cool name. I said, I'm just joking, his name's Rory. But but, but, you know, when a guy's son's named Rory and he phones and says, hey, Rory, do you mind taking Rory to the airport at four o'clock in the morning? It's like, of course, I mean, Rory. (laughs) And you know how schoolmasters go, especially since Auburn schoolmasters, now here there's a gap there, so the schoolmaster phone said, I heard you going to the airport at four o'clock, we've got another kid, I'll call him Ben, for privacy's sake, but Ben needs to get to Kenya, and um, we've got culture, we can, can Ben stay at your house and then go to Kenya, he's autistic, his mum dropped him here, didn't really know he was coming to boarding school and now he's going home, and, and Ben needs to get to the airport, he's never ever flown by himself. And so we go off to the airport and his plane leaves an hour later and he has to go into assisted care. And I put him in assisted care and I said, Ben, can I leave you here and go? And he said, Dad, Dad, do you mind staying with me? And I said, sure, boy, what does that mean? He said, can you just spend a little bit of time with me? So I said, should we go for breakfast? He said, yes, please, Dad. I met this little guy five hours or six or eight hours before. So we go for breakfast, him and I, and we talk. And he said, Dad, do, do you think sometimes I, c- I can come to your and mom's house in the term just so that I can be with you? And I said, yes, boy, you can come to our house. And then I realized what it means to have a father in heaven and to be a son on earth and to to do things that I've never done and to be taken care of. That I, and, and when I eventually at the last moment dropped him off at assisted care, he just grabbed me and he started to cry. And his tears were just pouring down my shirt and I walked away with tears just pouring out my shirt and I I actually sms the schoolmaster I said thank you so much for giving me the privilege of dropping Ben at the airport who's your hero who's who's the one that you look up to who's the one that gives you courage who's the one that and I want to believe friends at a time like this a hero is not a star a hero is not somebody who draws attention a hero is somebody that stands against A hero is somebody that stands up against, that shouts against the system. I want to lose my income stream. I want to be so radical that some of you might get offended and leave and our income drops. But at least the people that stay will be free. The people that stay will be free. So that we don't harness all your potential so that we can fulfill somehow our dream. But rather we read the book of Acts and say, is there somewhere, is there a place where the building will not consume us and the the gathering will not and the full car park will not in any way intoxicate us enough to keep preaching the gospel of heroism, which is Jesus standing up against sin and the system. Raging against the system. Archbishop Tutu standing up against the system. Raging against the system. That was not in the Scriptures. The Bible says it is better to obey God than to obey man. It is the text you'll be reading today, and I've read it over and over again. I said, Lord, am I prepared to get to the place where when the crunch comes, I will obey you over the government. The Bible says we must obey the government. The Bible says we must submit to the government. But there's a time, friends, when the government forbids what the Bible commends or commends what the Bible forbids, and we're going to have to make a stand. And this week I said to the Lord in my devotions, Lord, I will make a stand for you. I will stand for you, Lord God, against anything that... Friends, we're fighting against Woolworths and the pride thing. That's got nothing to do with morals. That is a commercial decision of Woolworths to make more money. We don't fight the battle against Woolworths on that level. People say, what do you think about it? I say, every gay guy in the world can come and buy hamburgers for my steers. It's commercial. It's not moral. It's a commercial decision. Because when they put their Christmas crackers up there and their Easter crackers up there, must every Muslim say, I'm not going to Woolworths because it's commercial. We're trying to get to the heart of people. We're trying to get, and, and, and the gospel is subversive. It doesn't come through powerful movements with big churches who put a big display on social media. The gospel is subversive. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's standing in an airport with Ben. And holding him. The gospel comes underneath. The gospel is when you trade sorrow of your sexual past for joy. So that your children can grow up with joy and courage. That's the gospel. We're fighting in the wrong levels. This is an ungodly government making ungodly laws. And people send me stuff all the time. You know this educational thing is going to be passed and it's going to stop people. Friends, the whole of Acts is about ungodly governments. And all of those governments are gone and the church still stands. We have an ungodly government making ungodly laws, implementing them all the time. But they have got absolutely no power against the praying church. Nothing whatsoever. A humble, gracious, generous praying church will outdo the government. I can tell you that I prophesy in a hundred years time people won't know who Cyril Ramaphosa is but the church will still be meeting together. Whether it's under a tree, whether it's in a building or wherever it will be, the church will still be meeting. In five years time, they won't know who I am. But I want to tell you this, the ANC will disappear like the Roman Empire and the Babylonian Empire and every empire since has disappeared, but the church still stands. The church that preaches the gospel. And they can implement every single, I just get constantly, sign this thing, please take it to a church, sign this thing. And I just think, man, tear it up and pray. Just tear it up and pray. And believe in the Bible, and believe in the name of Jesus, and love people. Just love them. Love them unconditionally. What does 3CR think about Woolworths? Just love them. Okay, people come here, I'll love you. I'll love you so much you won't know what to do with it. Do I agree with it? No, I don't. What does the Bible say with it? It doesn't, but you can come here, I love you. I'll pour so much love on you, you won't know what to do. And I'll keep loving you. For how long? For the same length of time as I love gossipers. Do I agree with gossiping? No, I don't. Do I gossip? Yes. Probably gossiped about you this week. If you're an advocate, <laughs> how are we doing? We haven't even started yet, sorry, I don't know where we're going, but I was just driving in my car, I came out, there. you know, every time I drive along the road, there are like hundreds of people running, I don't know what you do at 12 o'clock running, but anyway, they run, I normally try and work then, but anyway, there's a, so I just, for some reason, I've never done it before, I stopped next to a guy and I started, I said, you're running at 11 Ks an hour, sir. I don't know if that's fast or slow. As you can see, I don't run. And he said, how's it, Pastor Rory? I'm an advocate. I said, have you stuck? He said, yes, I have. I said, well done. Congratulations. He said, actually, I've been meaning to meet you. I couldn't meet you on Sunday. So I said, that's fine. We'll meet on the road. He said, actually, I I, want to help people in your church. I want to help people in your church. I said, thank you. He said, I'll come and introduce myself formally to you. I want to help people in your church. Can I tell you about Tessa Dougal? This is Tessa Dougal. I just met her at the front door. We used to worship God together 30 years ago. She's a travel agent. She's a highly successful businesswoman. And we had to travel overseas, the pound went to 24 to 1, I've told the story a long time ago, it went to 24 to 1, and I phoned my boss, my spiritual boss, and I said, there's no ways that Mel and I, 27 years old, can get on an airplane and fly to England at 24 to 1, it makes no sense. He says, what we're living doesn't make sense, China. So I said, what must I do, daddy? He said, get on your knees and cry out to God to supply money for you so you can go to England and preach the gospel. Because actually, God's not determined by economies and governments and exchange rates. So I said, but who's going to provide? He said, just cry out to God. And I'll never forget Tessa and her husband, Andy, arrived at our house. We lived in a little flat. Arrived at our house with an envelope with 650 pound notes, 24 to 1, eh? I'm talking about nearly 30 years ago. 300 pounds thousands and thousands of rands and said, we are thinking about you and we are praying for you and we believe we need to help you get to England and gave us the money. What can you do? What, what, how can you take your gift and just extend the kingdom of God? Greg Hazel who preached here about five weeks ago, we are going to a conference in America, and he was just starting to come into our movement. He came from Hatfield. I said, Greg, should we go together to the conference? He said, 100%. Percent. What does that mean? I said, no, we go together. He said, we fly together. I said, fly together. I said, I've got a travel agent, Tessa Dugal, She'll book for us. He said, we're all together. I said, all together, bro. So we book. We're going to America. We're going to speak at a conference in Los Angeles. We get on the airplane, and Tessa has taken her Voyager miles, and she's upgraded me to business class. To this day, every time I see Greg Hazel, he goes like this. <laughs> Let's travel together, bro. How are we going to do this together, bro? And I found I said, Tessa, she said, I actually had some voyage of house, I wanted to bless you, Rory. Because you know what we do in salvation? We take the resources we've got and we create space for other people. I've never forgotten that story. And I was just standing on the steps today and I just saw her walking up. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you for blessing our lives. Thank you for changing our lives. Thank you for serving us when we were two youngsters that didn't actually know what we were doing. You're also a youngster. You still look young. Greg Hazel looked at me and was determining by the level of my sanctification whether I would give him my business class ticket and take his. But I didn't know Jesus well enough at those stages. (laughs) (laughs) okay so we read the bible (laughs) and if you ever travel with me and that happens you're going to sit in economy i don't think pastors should fly business class i really don't i don't think pastors should take the church for a ride i don't think pastors should have unlimited expense accounts and every time I put an expense in, I show my own personal expenses because this system will catch us quickly. And the power of this pulpit will catch us quickly. And I want to be one of those who rages against the pulpit and rages against the power and rages against the hierarchy. And no pray. People come to say, will you pray for me? I say, I could, but please rather let somebody else pray because we're trying to build something that's different. So we're looking in the book of Acts and we're getting to the place where the church is getting threatened because Christianity is taking root. And so let's go from verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees and the best way to remember them is they're just sad, you see. And <laughs> there's the best way to remember them. And if you're in the church for any length of time and you're still sad, you see, then you haven't understood the church. Should be a happy place. My mum traded in sorrow for joy. I grew up with joy. My mum traded in fear for courage. I grew up with courage. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors in the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Say full message, full message. of this new life. You you can't just come here and expect a one-part sermon or a three-part series. It's a full message, a full message of a new life. Michael Eaton took this little verse of Scripture, and he wrote a book that's this thick. The full message of the new life. When you become a SAP agent on a computer, you have to study about 10 manuals this size to understand SAP. When you become a pilot, you have to study manuals. I've played golf this week with the pilot. You've got to study many, 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 many manuals to become a pilot. And I said to him, how's it going now? Because he used to work for Mango. He said, I had to go back into the simulator over and over and over again to remember the coordination, to remember my feet and my hands. There's a full message of a new life. To understand piloting, you have to understand the book. And it's exactly the same in the faith. You've got to understand the book. This, this is what Francis Chan says. We you can put this quote up, please, of Francis Chan. Have you ever wondered if we're missing it? It's crazy if you think about it. The God of the universe, creator of nitrogen and pine needles, galaxies and E-minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is your typical response? We go to church, sing songs, and try not to swear. It has to start captivating us. Like these apostles, when they went to jail, they sang. When they came out, they sang. When they were beaten up, they sang. When they were told to keep quiet, they preached. When they were maligned, they continued to preach. There's something has got to grip us. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, we're going to settle into suburban Christianity, sitting seven rows back with our arms folded, deciding whether we want to worship or not. I want to give my life to something that has got meaning. I sometimes walk in here and say, God, surely this can't be the biggest thing you've asked me to do. Surely not, Lord God. There must be 500 million rand projects, billion rand projects. Surely, God, we can change the world with the people at 3CI. Amen. We've got travel agents and we've got lawyers who are running at 12 o'clock on the roads and we've got schoolmasters who are looking after autistic children, teaching them about the love of God. Sitting inside of our ranks and at the heart of it all is the name of Jesus that throbs inside of us. I met a guy, I can see him sitting here. I just met him in the foyer. Say, Rory, when are you going to, I don't know, but I just said to him, let's have breakfast together. I don't know why, I've never seen him before. He's been here for years, apparently. We had breakfast this week. I don't know, he employs hundreds of people, does massive jobs. He's an incredible building contractor, and he's been sitting in this church. I didn't know who he was. But that's the beauty of the church. We've got all this potential locked up inside of people, and we've got to put it on mission. We've got to put it on mission to change the world. And you have to understand that what you're doing as a travel agent or as a lawyer is as important as what Stephen and I are doing in the pulpit. This is just a part of it. The full message of the new life. Gentleness, extravagance, generosity, kindness, peace, love, forgiveness. Anyway, it's nice to see you. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priests and the associates arrived, okay, for time's sake, let's forget all that. Verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin, the religious guys, to be questioned by the high priest, and we put all that system back into place and we think, Rory is the, I am nothing, I am nothing. I'm doing what God called me to do as a preacher of a local church. I have no power. The power is in Christ, the power is in the Holy Spirit and the person sitting next to you. Please, please stop coming forward and asking me to pray for you. I have got nothing extra. I look at some of you who've started businesses, you've started schools, you've started. Ministries, you started, and 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 you want me to pray for you. It's outlandish. It's outlandish. We just pray, and we pray, and we pray for the government, and we pray for God's godliness, and we pray for, and our Russia, the guys are turning around, friends. We just keep praying, and praying, and praying, and praying. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. That scripture will haunt us in the future. And it's a scripture you're going to have to work with today. Are you prepared to obey God over men? Because I know what's going to happen. There are things we're not going to be allowed to preach here. There are things that we're going to have to do that we're not allowed to do. I'm a marriage officer in the Republic of South Africa. I believe biblically that marriage is between a man and a woman. Sitting in this meeting today are some gay people that are married. I would never have married you. Are you welcome in this church? Very. Very. What does that mean, Rory? I don't know what it means. But I'm going to keep loving. But when the government forces me to marry same-sex marriage, I will stand against the government. And either I'll lose my license or I'll go to jail. But somebody has to speak about these things. Somebody has to talk about these things. Somewhere we have to have a representation of the book of Acts on earth. They had no money. They had no buildings. They were completely multicultural, completely multicultural. Don't sit and talk with the friends that you go to school with and their children. Grab another person from another culture. Invite them to your home. Invite them to your home. They were completely multicultural. They were unbelievably mobile. They were not hampered down by bonds and repayments and they were... were, They could operate. When God said go, they went. Free yourself up so that you can move when God wants you to move. Get your finances under control. Get into a smaller house so you can obey God. Do I sound cross? I'm not really. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. Say a tree. tree. If you read Galatians chapter 3, you'll say, Cursed is anyone who hung on a tree. The mo- and it goes back to Deuteronomy 21, and it says, Anyone who's hung on a tree is cursed so that the people that he hangs for get blessed. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince, say prince, Prince. and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit to him. God has given to obey him. That word prince, friends, is the word arch-egos, which can be translated in many different ways. It can be translated captain, it can be translated pioneer, it exists in three different places of scripture. Acts chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 12, and Acts chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. In Hebrews 2, it says, they're arguing about whether death, death is great fear of dying, everybody's scared of dying. And it says, but he is the author, he's the archeggis of life. That word, friends, is actually hero. Jesus Christ is is our hero. When uh, Goliath came to fight against David, instead of their army fighting their army, he said this, why don't you send a hero? Why don't you send a man? Why don't you send an archegos to come and fight against me? You send your archegos, I'll send my archegos, you send your hero, I will send my hero. And you see, friends, preaching in the church, many times people say, you must be like David. You must overcome your fear. You must overcome your Goliath. That's not the story of David and Goliath. David was never scared. Israel was scared. If you read David and Goliath, David is never scared. It's never like David went there with knees shaking. He said, listen, big boy, you're defying my boss. You're defying the glory of God. You're defying him. And Jesus is our David. Jesus is our hero. And Jesus, while we were all petrified by our Goliath, whatever your Goliath might be, your emotional instability, your financial security, the upbringing of your children, your husband leaving you, Whatever your Goliath is, and Goliath just shouts, and he shouts, and he shouts, and he shouts, and we tremble with fear. Our David Jesus, our pioneer, our prince, our archigos, stood in the middle of it, and he stuck a bullet between his eyes or a stone, and he dropped, and it says this in the book, their hero was dead, so the Philistines turned away, and they ran. Friends, the reason why we are looking for heroes in the church today, men and women who will stand up not just against sin but against the system that is completely crippling Christians is because Jesus was a hero. He stood up against everything and he beat it. It says he is the archeggis of our salvation. Our salvation wasn't meant to be, I gave my life to Jesus and actually three out of five Sundays I'll come to church because that's the kind of thing I'm meant to do. That is not the hero of salvation. It is a pioneer. He is the captain. There should be an exploration. There should be an adventure. There should be tying ropes and jumping off cliffs and going paragliding in your salvation. It is meant to be the happiest time of your life, and the sad you sees should move out the way so that the happy you sees can take their place. I'm telling you, friends, when you gave your life to Jesus, it wasn't a whole lot of no's and a couple of yeses. It was just like yes, because we are created in the image and the likeness of God, and inside of that creation is heroism. There is heroism inside of us, friends. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on the archegist of your faith. Fix your eyes on the captain and the pioneer of your faith. So that every day that I wake up, when I go driving down Saul Street, I can just by the grace of God stop next to a guy and say, you're doing 11 kilometers an hour and says, hello Rory. My faith is an expression as I walk through the streets of the city, friends, that God can do anything at any time with anybody, and you have to believe that, otherwise you'll put your blinkers on tomorrow as a medical salesman and think, I must go and sell stuff so that I can tie it to the church, that I can go to the church on Sunday and they can pay for the lights. No. No. I'm going to go to work tomorrow empowered by the Spirit of God, with favor upon my life, blessed under the anointing of God. He hung on a tree so that I could be blessed. you believe in the prosperity gospel, Rory? Not the one that makes the pastor rich and the people poor. I believe in the prosperity gospel that Jesus broke the curse so that we could be blessed. Every one of us blessed. And every one of us outworking a hero faith. Who was my hero? My hero was my dad. Because when the system said he could not renew his license, he got in his car and he drove to Pretoria and he reapplied and they turned him down. So he got in his car and he drove to Pretoria and he reapplied and they turned him down. And he fought against the system that wouldn't allow him a license. He fought it and he fought it and he fought it 18 times. And I think I'm going to keep fighting for people. Until they understand the full message of this new life. There is freedom. Your sins are gone. Your father power has been broken over you. The abuse has been washed clean. The people that touched your private parts. Their fingers have been removed. And that which was violated has been cleaned. It's covered in the white and the blood of Christ. So you can walk around here like a virgin. That is the full message of this new life. And he is the hero of that message. He is the pioneer and he is the saviour. And that word saviour is spacious. That's why God uses Tessa Dougal and says, you're gonna fly to America, Greg, you're gonna go that way and Rory gonna go that way because our friends use their resources to create space. And if you sit under this preaching, friends, I hope you'll find space in your life. You'll find space to forgive. You'll find space to adventure. You'll find space to go to Mozambique. You'll find space to lift your hands. To so lift your hands. he you say, oh I'll be going around. No, friends, the full message, the full message of this new life. I never relocated my family from Durban to live in a, in a conservative culture, paying the bills. This church was birthed in a, Sturban surfing family who left the comfort and convenience of their home and the joy of the ocean so that they could put the gospel of heroism of Jesus Christ into your heart.. and Rookta, I don't know why you taught your kids how to play instruments, but you taught your kids how to play instruments. They are brilliant instrument players. May those instruments go all over the world, boys. May God take you with those instruments. May you glorify him. May you glorify him with your instruments. And Ben, I don't know why God highlights you every day, every Sunday for this season. But when we drove past your business at quarter past four in the morning on Thursday with Rory and Ben, he said, those guys are in our church. God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. Put hero status inside of them. Put the adventure inside of them. The one that when the Goliath shouts doesn't quake. You're not David. Jesus is David. Jesus killed the Philistine. You don't have to get hyped up. You just got to believe. And when they beat the apostles, they said, it is awesome to suffer for his name. It's awesome to, we, we, none of us are gonna get beaten for the gospel, thank goodness. Heavenly Father, who's our hero? Who's our pioneer? Who's our captain? Who's our author? Who's our the originator of our faith? Because the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the spiritual dynamics of Pretoria says, calm down, keep quiet, make it cozy, mustn't be too long, don't offend anybody. But, but you're a hero, God, you're, you're a pioneer, you're a bridge diving, paintball shooting, big wave surfing, hang gliding. Mountain climbing. River rafting, Savior. And you invite us to live in the fullness of this new life. May this invitation touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.